Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who keep me loving, learning, and growing every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we are in this together and we have some wonderful people to help us along the way. Now, the topic of sexual assault, suicide, and cyberbullying may be topics that are well covered in the news, but are not topics that parents and educators often love to cover with kids. Today's topic has, of late, been the recipient of a great deal of media coverage and concern among parents and educators over the last several months. Why? The Netflix show 13 Reasons Why, based on the book of the same name, has brought these topics to the forefront. The show, which is now available for binge-watching, appeals to teenagers and brings up some very complex emotional and sometimes close-to-home issues from suicide to cyberbullying to sexual assault in adolescence. Can the show provide some key teaching moments, or should we be banning it at home? Some critics say that this show glorifies suicide and should not be taken lightly as they fear an uptick in copycat suicide attempts after watching the show. And what about the topics the show brings up itself? Should we talk to kids about taboo-seeming topics like suicide and sexual assault? You probably know my answer to that. And if we talk about these issues, how do we do it in a sensitive, age-appropriate way? For all these answers, we have my friend and colleague, Dr. Day Sheraton, on the show today. Dr. Day Sheridan is a licensed mental health counselor, a board-certified clinical sexologist, a certified rehabilitation counselor, and a professor of human sexuality at the University of South Florida. A recognized speaker and commentator on sexual, mental health, parenting, and rehabilitation issues, Dr. Sheridan regularly presents her research, facilitates psychoeducational seminars, and participates as a featured expert for television, internet, and other media outlets. She describes herself as a proud mommy with some really amazing side gigs. She, her husband, and two incredible children live, work, and play in Tampa, Florida. Welcome, Dr. Day, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hi there, Dr. Robin. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure to meet you, to listen to you train or speak or on TV, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning and what made you so interested in the topic of teens, of this show, 13 Reasons Why, and the issue the show covers? Well, absolutely. So what gets me up in the morning is the idea of helping people to be their most authentic selves, to try to bring some positivity um, and some education and knowledge surrounding topics, as you mentioned in your intro, that are taboo topics, uh, things that people don't like to talk about or have difficulties 
because of generations of us being taught not to talk about these certain things. So when 13 Reasons Why uh, received so much uh, attention, this is something for me that was, I've been, you know, I, I talk about these things every day in my private practice with my clients who have experienced sexual trauma or who love someone who has. I speak about these things in my classroom. I teach uh, graduate human sexuality in a uh, mental health counseling program, so future clinicians and how to deal with these issues um, and the biases uh, that they may have or perceptions or misconceptions about sexuality. So all of this is is feeding one another. It, my work in my office informs my work at the university. My work at the university informs my work with my clients. And 13 Reasons Why is such a powerful springboard for us to be able to talk to our children. I have a very special passion for working with adolescents and, uh, on these issues because I think that they've gotten quite a raw deal and we, we, seek, we usually serve to ignore or brush these things off because we're so uncomfortable to talk we're so uncomfortable talking about them so it's it's been it's been a wonderful opportunity to open up those difficult uh, conversations and dialogues this is great so i was going to ask you point blank should we be allowing our kids to watch 13 reasons why but perhaps you can tell us maybe what age group should be watching the show so that's a sticky one because we all know that our children are different developmentally ages and stages. I think you have to know your child. My piece of advice to parents would be to watch from start to finish on your own before you even consider allowing your child of any age to watch it. It will prepare you because there are some there are some topics and there are some themes that are very difficult to deal with and to, to even to see. So I want want all parents to be prepared in that if they utilize it as that springboard for these dialogues on tough topics, that they themselves can make some notes or be ready for a scene, whatever it may be. But age ranges, I think you have to know your child. I would say absolutely very late middle school, perhaps eighth grade, but you know, certainly in the high school years, um, I think it would be appropriate with parental guidance. Mm. And, and use of media literacy, stopping, talking about it, not just watching it, both of you looking at each other and going, oh my gosh, and then going to bed. Like that, I do not recommend in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think that could do more harm than good. Okay, so yes, you are, you are reading my mind right now because I was going to ask you, you know, how you can watch the show. So, so what you're recommending then is co-watching with your child, you've recommended that you watch the show before your child sees it. And you're also recommending that we don't watch it necessarily straight through, but we actually stop and, you know, pause the show and maybe turn to our child and, and what? 
and and ask them direct questions. Uh, maybe use yourself as you know as as an opportunity to talk about like to say, "Wow, that was really scary. I felt or I felt sick when I saw that. That made me nervous, or it made me think of a friend that I had. How did you feel when you saw that?" So you can use your own perspective to start a conversation with your child, or certainly you can pause and if you see, you know, I want you to watch your child as you're also watching this and see how they're thinking and feeling. And if you see them, you know, their body language changes or or their facial expression to stop and say, hey, it looks like something's coming up for you. Would you share with me about what's going on here? And they may, you know, respond in a way that I don't know, this is shocking to me, or they may share with you that, that you know, they know a friend who's experienced something like this, or they've seen this kind of stuff happen. So um, tying it back to their own real life and the way that teens interact you know, in our culture nowadays, I think is going to be part of those conversations to mm-hmm. make it to make it not so preachy. I really, you know, I feel like we turn our kids off when we are that state that sage on the stage and we're pointing our fingers and back in my day. And so, I think the best yeah. thing that you can do is uh, I, always, I always to be askable. Yeah, yeah back, back in my day. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> yeah, to be askable. Um, I know oh, that that's I not. I love pro- that. Be I know askable. it's not. <laughs> it's not proper grammar, but oh, I, love I love it. it. <laughs> so, and you know, the great thing about these things, Robin, is that we, uh, again, with these difficult topics, whether it's money, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, alcohol, all of these issues that we have that are more taboo, we have this erroneous fear that if we talk about it that we're giving this permission we're giving our children permission to do it yet when we tell them to put on their bike helmet or click in their seatbelt we're not giving them permission to go get in a crash or you know they're mm-hmm. so when we when we don't talk about sexuality education or about consent or you know or about suicide awareness when we stay silent on these things we send a message to our kids that maybe maybe that doesn't matter to us. Maybe that's something that they're on their own about. So in no uncertain terms, I want parents to be able to say, you know, hey, I may not have all of the answers. Um, this may be embarrassing to me and to you, but we're going to get through it together. We'll find the we'll find the information. And I just want for you to know that you can talk to me about these things. Perfect. Yes, we've got to keep those doors open. And I I love that concept of being askable and making sure that you're available. And it's true. We've, I've heard also, I interviewed Richard Weisbord, who we'll talk about in a little bit um, from Making Care in Common. And he talked a lot about fumbling through. You know, we talked about fumbling through the conversations. We've got to actually have the conversations because when we don't, we, we really are saying a, a statement that, you know, this is not something that is important to me, or this is something that we should not be talking about. And yes, I think you bring up a good point to say, and and we're also relaying you're on your own. Um, And remember, they're going to get the information from somebody and it's just not going to be you. So um, I think it's important what you're saying that we don't want to be preachy about it, but we do want to open that door and make sure that that the kids are discussing it with us, that we are available for discussion. And even when the show is over and and maybe, you know, it's days down the line, the door remains open for discussion. 
Absolutely. And the research shows us that that when we are when our kids know that they can talk to us about the more difficult topics, whether they've gotten in trouble um, with drugs or alcohol, or if we're talking about uh, sexuality or sexual behaviors, parents who talk to their children about those things, their kids are much more likely to talk to them about anything else, whether it's, you know, peer pressure or bullying or somebody smoking or, you know, so it, it really is a gateway to have the tougher conversations. Your kids will be more likely to talk to you about everything. And so often we hear in the media about how, you know, teenagers will clam up and we, you know, they are, they, they want our feedback. They may not always ask for it, but again, what we know to be true is that, Children are more comfortable with limits and with expectations, and when they're flopping around in the wind, they're more likely to make bad decisions. Um, so we can't be afraid to be the ones to provide that information to them, even if we're not experts in the field. Mm, I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. And and yes, I've seen the research, and I think it is important that we we know that these kids really do want to have these conversations and as uncomfortable as they are i think they're grateful in the end that they have the right information from a trusted source yes so you know whenever you have a show on tv that deals with tough topics that seem relatable to kids or adults it can be challenging sometimes to decipher between what's truly real, what's purely made for TV or a fictional book sometimes in this case too. How do we help our children discern between fantasy and reality when watching a show like this that seems to really hit on some very personal nerves? So specifically with 13 Reasons Why, you know, this is a revenge fantasy is what it is. So, you know, Hannah commits suicide and leaves these tapes for the people who she feels have wronged her. And so even that kind of over-dramatiz- it's an over-dramatization or, you know, more of a scintillating view of what the after effects of suicide could be. And we really need to talk to our children about psychiatric illness and how it is treatable versus, you know, there was no help for Hannah. And even with trusted adults, even with the expert that she went to, the seeming expert that she went to. And so talking to our kids and letting them know that their experience can be very different than and the dramatic experience that is portrayed in something that is in the magic box. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a TV commercial trying to sell you something, whether it is, you know, um, visualizations of how people should be, act, look, what have you. We always want to teach our children to be media literate and to be questioning and challenging what they're seeing. So when you're watching a show like this, you want to be absolutely media literate with your children. And you want to make sure that the the fantasy and the what they're trying to portray or trying to sell you or have you interact with in that emotional way that we're able to call out and say to ourselves, okay, is this is this a real thing? Like, would we be memorializing, uh, you know, a child in this way um, if it was real? Is this how we respond to suicide? Um, is this how the, you know, people around her would react, that they would keep on, you know, talking and doing all of these things where in reality, 
you know, the, the survivor guilt and the pain that's felt by those who are left behind in a suicide case um, is not portrayed realistically. So we want to make sure that um, we have our kids viewing any sort of media, especially when there are these difficult topics, with a lens that is questioning and challenging the content. Okay, excellent. So, I mean, you're talking, you're giving some really important scripting for how to use the show as a springboard to discuss suicide. And I know you're a fan of co-watching, as we've discussed, and I think it is really great. You get to, you know, stay in touch with what your child is watching. You're answering questions as the show is airing. You're ready for follow-up questions. And, and then there's this piece where there's this springboard for really specific discussions, um, which I, I love. I would love to talk a little bit more about getting into suicide a little bit more because it's a springboard for what you were just discussing. Is this, is this what would be accurate? And is this really what would happen? But if we go deeper into the topic of, of suicide, can we talk more about how common is suicide among our young people and are there signs to tell a parent that that your child might be uh, at risk in some way so that maybe they should be watching the show in a different way maybe they shouldn't be watching the show or maybe they should be doing something completely different Mm-hmm. So suicide is unfortunately extraordinarily common. It is the number two cause of death for teenagers in our country. And we have uh, over 5,000 suicide attempts every single day by teenagers. And that is, you know, it's again, it's one of those things where we don't talk about it when it's taboo. We underestimate um, what a what an epidemic that this is, and so our, I I want parents to be mindful of their children's mood, behaviors, the things that we look at in terms of suicide uh, would be in suicidal ideation would be depression and depressive symptoms, feelings of helplessness or hopelessness, um, retreating into themselves more so than they normally would. Um, you know that would be developmentally appropriate for a teen. Um, you know changes in eating changes in sleeping um, and not finding joy in mm. things that they previously enjoyed giving possessions away these are types of these are signs or or even direct verbiage such as you know you every, you guys would be better off if I wasn't here mm. or I wish I was dead and you know so we think you know when we hear these things they're scary but a lot of times especially if you know your child and if you know your child is one for um, you know overstatements and, 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 and drama, you may not take those things seriously, mm-hmm. but, but we have to always, 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 no matter how exhausted, no matter how many times we've had discussions, we have to stay engaged and listen as if it was the first time our child was coming to us and saying these things so that we don't get desensitized to it. And that so we don't end up blowing off a search, a situation that could be very dangerous for our child and our family. So, so if we're, if we detect some of these signs, as you've said, that our child seems helpless or hopeless or may even be saying some of these phrases like, I wish I were dead or you're better off without me. What would you do as a parent? What should you do or what should you say when you start to hear or see some of these signs? 
absolutely say, I hear you, I love you, I'm noticing that things are different for you, I want to be able to help you. You may not know what you need, I may not know what you need, but we're going to figure it out and you may just have to follow my lead on this one. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes your child will say, I'm fine, I'm fine, they don't want parents getting involved. Particularly if there is something going on at school, if you see your child texting and then having a grimace on their face or you're noticing that there's a change in friendships or um, there may be some cyberbullying or something going on that you're not aware of. And so sometimes we, our kids don't want us getting involved, they don't want it to quote unquote get worse for them at school, but we have to be the, the adults, we have to be the parents and do everything that we can to protect our children and to be there for our kids and keep them safe. So we have to also sidestep the desire to, you know, be our kids' best friend and, um, you know, we have to be the ones to make the hard decisions for our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would love to move to the topic of sexual assault, which we also see in 13 Reasons Why. And, and sexual assault is, is more common than we could ever have imagined. According to Richard Weisbord, who I mentioned I interviewed for this podcast uh, in May, the study that he put out from Harvard's Making Caring Common project reiterated, and I'll read this excerpt, that research shows the rates of sexual assault among young people are high. But our research suggests that a majority of parents and educators aren't discussing with young people basic issues related to consent. While the report did not focus on consent and sexual assault, our survey data suggests that many adults are also not talking to young people about these important issues. Most of the respondents to our survey, ages 18 to 25, have never spoken to their parents about being sure your partner wants to have sex and is comfortable doing so before having sex, the importance of not pressuring someone to have sex with you, the importance of not continuing to ask someone to have sex after they have said no, or the importance of not having sex with someone who is too intoxicated or impaired to make a decision about sex. These are all over 50%. Mm. A large majority of respondents who had these conversations with parents described them as at least somewhat influential. So if we get a bit deeper into the issue of sexual assault, which is... Uh, discussed and and shown in 13 Reasons Why. As you know, you've seen many cases in your office. You've personally written about this issue on your website in your beautiful letter to Bryce on your website, which we will be sharing in our show notes of this podcast. What do you wish parents would say to their kids? Give us some scripting and some tips so that parents know what to say and do about this important issue of sexual assault that is clearly facing our teens. Well, thank you so much for allowing me uh, a, you know, a place to talk about this. And this really starts from the beginning. Our families are not talking about sexual assault because we're not talking to our kids about the basics of human sexuality. It's hard to have a conversation about uh, about assault or rape or consent if we've never even talked to them about you know basic you know sexuality education. So we have to help parents understand that you know these these openings and these gateways and these continued conversations it's not you know sex ed should never be 
the talk a one-time talk about the birds and the bees we all received it in some way whether it was in you know fifth or sixth grade um, I've, I've done surveys in my classes throughout the past 10 years and every single semester regardless of the generation of the graduate student who is in the class their their introduction to sexuality education was boys on one side of the gym girls mm. on the other you get that one talk your you know your parents may or may not have mentioned it lots of people get lots of information from TV but that one one talk is all we get mm -hmm. with with the the variety and the diversity and the and all of the information and all of the emotion and psychology that goes behind our human sexuality we just talk about it once we mention it once and things that well, may or may not pertain in the future well we really talk about the mechanics of it right yes. i mean that's what the birds and the bees is about the mechanics and that's very uncomfortable but not so much about the emotionality and how uh you know and the love and the caring and and what you would actually want your child yes. to come away with yes love caring pleasure all of those things when we and when we have um you know in you know i don't say inappropriate but if we have uh non-productive sex ed uh, we're really doing a disservice, right? You're not providing it, you're actually pulling information away. So to be able to talk about sexuality rather than a don't do it, it's bad, because that's the message and the branding that we get with so many of the, the talks that are out there, um, to be able to talk about um, consent and respect and honor and co and communication and loyalty and you know the things that would keep somebody from resending a picture that was sent to them or to to keep going if someone is intoxicated and unable to to say whether they would like to do that thing or not so you know talking about it on the front end and having a good healthy working vocabulary about sexual matters, I think has to be on the front end before we can expect for parents to talk about, you know, when you're in a situation, don't sexually assault someone, or when you're in a situation, you know, get consent or, you know, of course, the victim blaming that tends to happen, you know, where we say, well, don't put yourself in a position to be assaulted, little lady, you know, mm -hmm. so we, I think it's important to really kind of backtrack and, and check ourselves as parents and say, okay, I want to make sure I can talk to my kid about this, but what needs to be the uh, the front end conversation that's beyond the, um, here's a picture of a uterus and, you know, from, and it's funny because when it comes to sex ed with girls specifically, we talk about things from the, from the outside, I mean, sorry, from the inside out, which doesn't make a lot of sense like we wouldn't teach a child about their tympanic membrane and the cochlea before we t teach them say hey that's your ear <laughs> good point so, yeah so so meanwhile we're we're talking about fallopian tubes and you know and it's about it, discomfort it, right at it that is point. Yes. And, it, it, and it also sends a message to the child oh i don't need to know this right now <laughs> i know this is not this doesn't pertain to me if i look down i don't see what they're talking about so moving on with my attention mm -hmm. Okay, so so if a child is sitting in front of you or behind you in the car or whatever, and uh, maybe you've watched the show with them, maybe, maybe you haven't, um, but give us an example of some scripting, assuming that you have already had a conversation about the birds and the bees in itself, Yep. Now you want, now you, you've watched the show or you've heard this podcast and you, uh, I really want my 
child to know about sexual assault and consent and I want them to understand that this body is their own and they are, are honored to protect it and what do we say to our let's put a girl there first and say what do we say to our girl about these issues so what we would say is uh, especially if using 13 reasons why as that um, you know that that onus for the conversation would be to say you know do you have you experienced anything like this do you know of anybody who is struggling with whether it's rumors being spread about them or um, you know or feeling like they're not being respected by the boys um, you know being called names or being sexually harassed in some way you know have you experienced that or do you see that happening in your school because the way the show is portraying it is making it like it's every single day and it's very real and I know that these things happen they happened when I was in school um, you know there are lots of examples of that that I can draw from so what are some of your experiences mm-hmm. so starting there with you know hey I know that so this is there's, this is a dramatization of these issues I know that they happen but what is what is your perspective? Are you seeing it? Have you ever been, uh, you know, have you ever been a victim of, of some of these things? Another thing I would say is, do you know of anybody right now that you can think of? Because as you watch 13 Reasons Why, um, you know, there were the Justins and there were so many of these people that were these bystanders that saw things happening, that didn't stop things from happening, that didn't stand up for Hannah when they really, really could have in those moments. And I would also say, how did that make you feel when they kept walking by her and not asking her to sit with them at lunch? Or how did that make you feel when you knew that she was in trouble but she had nowhere to go and she was looking around clamoring for friendships and they had kind of all fallen away you know how do you think that how would that make you feel and um, you know to really get the conversation started about bystander and, and intervening and being you know having compassion and kindness for your fellow human being you know, even in the face of trying to be cool, trying to fit in, trying to be part of this, you know, microcosm of our society in high school, uh, but really ask them, how did it make you feel when you saw that and you saw that this girl was hurting? Because I think a lot of parents who, um, who talk to me about this say that what the worst thing is, is watching it unfold and, and what people could have done mm-hmm. to prevent it from not, and even people who weren't on the tapes, but people who just day by day, those little moments, and I think the producers did a great job of kind of peppering those in where you just say, oh my gosh, there's another opportunity where someone, someone could have told this girl, I see you, I hear you, and you matter. What a beautiful thing to say to your child, too. I mean, even in that situation where you're in the car talking about that and you can say, I just want you to know that you, your body is, is, is worthy of being respected, that you are loved and cared for, and I, I see you, I get you, I value you, and I am here for any time. Even if right now you don't want to talk about this, I'm here at any time to talk about these issues, however awkward they may be. To be able to just put that out there in a a front-loaded way so that your child knows where you stand. 
Yes, and absolutely with when it comes to their bodies being their own and them having agency over their bodies and to really try to break down some of those taboos and to say, you know, we may not have talked a lot about this, but, you know, there are some things your body is changing, you're growing, your mind is changing, and you're going to have these feelings and you're going to have these experiences, but you are always, no matter what the media tells you, no matter what people are saying or spreading, you are always in control of your body. No one has the right to touch you, to talk about you, to send pictures of you without your consent, without your permission. And if somebody is doing something like that, it is wrong. I am not afraid to say that that person is wrong, that there's something wrong with their their character, with their values, with their morals. There is something wrong with them. I am going to demonize a perpetrator. I'm not going to demonize somebody who's had an experience because so much of when we look at sexual assault, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt lies on the victim mm -hmm. instead of on the person who has perpetrated these these heinous events and changed lives. So, you know, it really is important to help girls, especially because you asked me about the girls. So it helped girls especially be able to recognize that, again, their body is their own. It is not a commodity to be objectified or used by someone else. Um, and it's not for someone else's pleasure. And that's where we, again, in our culture, we do a terrible job. I mean, we there's access to all of this, you know, pornography and all of these things where it really and even the verbiage that we use to talk about sex someone took your virginity you know you gave them this or that I mean there's there's a power differential there and we have to talk to our girls about their bodies and about consent and about how you know they're more than an object to be desired or looked at mm. so important and thank you for that scripting I think people will be uh dialing this podcast back a couple of minutes just to jot down those words and to remember how you said them because you said them so beautifully um, you know what to say to your child about consent about their bodies and this is really important stuff you know there's the mechanics but there's you know that's just that one talk this right. is one of those talks that go on and on. Your body is your own. You're in charge. This is, you know, you're going to be in situations where you're going to have to say yes or no. And I, I want to give you all the information you need to be able to make that decision, but also understand that um, ultimately you're the one who gets to say yes or no. And if somebody else pressures you in any way to do something you don't want to do, that they're wrong. I, I think that's brilliant to be able to just say it outright like that. Yes. And, and on top of that, that no matter what happens, you can come to me. I will believe you. Mm. I will. I'm not going to be asking what your role in it was. I'm not going to be asking what you did, what, what you said, you're wearing. What you're wearing. Yeah. Yes. We're not going to do that because we know that those are setups and we know that the, so, you know, unfortunately I have to tell you that these things happen. Sexual assaults happen. I want you to be able to protect yourself. Um, but I also want you to know that God forbid, if anything were to happen, I will believe you and I will hear you. And I don't want you to carry embarrassment or shame or guilt. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to be open so that we can get you the help that you need in order to heal this up. 
Beautiful. So I know, of course, there's parents and educators of boys. I'm, I'm a parent of a boy uh, as well. And uh, I would love to hear from you if the child that we're talking to is a boy and you would like to convey to him some of these issues about consent and sexual assault and sexual harassment or whatever the conversation is, maybe using 13 reasons why, maybe not. What would you say to your child who is a boy about these issues? For boys, we have to do the same type of media literacy, having them look at the way that the world portrays sexuality and the way that the world portrays females. Um, It's crucial to let boys know that maybe sometimes the things that they see or hear from other people um, that seem to be the norm, um, you know, talking down to women or uh, disparaging women or using misogynistic or sexist comments or making jokes to say in no uncertain terms to our child, that's not funny, that's not okay, that's not showing, again, kindness, compassion, understanding, encouragement to our fellow human being, not the she's a girl and you're a boy, but that's just not how people treat people. And so when you see these things or you hear these things, please don't laugh along. Please don't, you know, you inside, I know that your, 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 your gut instinct, your tummy voice is telling you, this does not feel good to me, you know, but you may be in a situation where there's peer pressure, where somebody nudges you or pushes you to say, or to do something that is unlike you in your character. And I want us to be able to tell our children, remember who you are. Mm -hmm. Remember that I do have expectations of you as our child. And I do have expectations that that um, if you see something or if you see somebody hurting someone else, whether it's a girl, whether it's a boy, you know, whether it's an adult, that I expect that you are going to stand up for, you know, someone who is being wronged and most certainly not to be the one who's hurting someone else and to say, okay, so now we've talked about sexuality and sex stuff and, you know, and about the birds and the bees, you're going to have these feelings, you know, sex can be very exciting. It can be very passionate, but you also have to, you have to stay very mindful and make sure that, you know, your partner is a willing participant and and consenting. Um, You know, there's, you hear all of these, you know, ridiculous ridiculous things about, you know, no means yes and this and that and, you know, just to make it very clear that that is assault. That is something that is illegal. It's it's against it's against, you know, our human code. Um, you can you can get in grave trouble about it. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's wrong in every way. And if it feels wrong, you know, to listen to that and to and to stand above, you know, what our culture and our society says about real men, real men and the sexual scripts, you know, you're a dominator and you're, you know, you're the one who, um, you know, who's the one who initiates and you're the one who's going, I mean, all of that stuff is just hooey and Mm -hmm. garbage that we're feeding, you know, to generations to generations, which then makes people think, well, that's all I've heard. So that's what it must be like. And especially with the exposure to pornography these days, there are some really, uh, damaging scripts that people are seeing about roles and so talking about love and friendship and connection and you know the things that um, boys want and desire especially I know this as a sex therapist I have adult men in my office who are you know talking about these things that you know everybody thinks we're supposed to view it one way 
but the way that I really want it, I want companionship. I want to be, you know, trusted and honored and have these deep conversations. It's not just about getting some. It's not just about, you know, that. And I think having um, having boys recognize that there are all different ways to be a man, mm-hmm. other other than what our media portrays it. Yeah, and obviously there are boys that are assaulted, and you know we can keep that in mind. But we're just right now talking about the the general messages that that boys get uh, as a whole that that they keep being told that they need to dominate, they need to make the decision, and uh, not to not to neglect those boys who absolutely have been on the opposite end of it. Um, right. And it's very important to say, um, it's just, I want, I want to make sure that people understand that. They we're just talking about the general messages that we're sure. trying to dispel here, that, that this is not accurate uh, information. So we've come to the time where we have top tip time about 13 Reasons Why, about suicide, about sexual assault, any other issue that we discussed today, what one thing would you want parents and educators, coaches, whoever's listening right now to come away with from what we've discussed today? Uh, The one thing that I would say is just my my life's work and my passion, which is helping helping people to understand that if we can reduce the stigma and taboo about matters that are difficult to talk about, we can help make things better in our world. We can help, we can, whether it's uh, stigma about psychiatric illness or, or mental difficulties, you know, not being able to talk about it. People are, they're shrouded in that and they stay quiet and they stay alone and they don't feel like there's anyone to help. When it comes to, to sexual assault and whether it comes to, to human sexuality and sexuality education, talking about it, you know, it will help to reduce the the instances and the epidemic of childhood sexual abuse and of sexual assault in our colleges and things like that. If we're talking about it as normally and as openly as we are talking about, you know, don't do drugs and, you know, don't, you know, don't get in that, don't text and drive, don't get in that car with someone who's been drinking. We have all of these scripts and tips for these other things that were once taboo. And I hope that someday we can arrive at the space where we push through the difficulties and the lack of comfort and realize that we really can be saving lives every single day by opening up these conversations Mm, so important and as you said remain askable make sure you keep that door open so that after the conversations are are over for that particular moment that maybe the door is open for additional conversations as they come i think it's, it's such important information could you give us the resource of the week where where do you want people to go to learn more about you and what you do well, they can go to my website, which is www.drday.com, and that is drdae.com. Excellent. And so excited to have you here today. Dr. Day Sheridan, I want you to know how grateful we are that you took the time out of your busy schedule to be with us, and you've provided really important and interesting information about topics that are difficult to talk about but really important that we open up with our children from sexual assault to suicide, using 13 Reasons Why as a, as a springboard for discussion so that 
and maybe other things as a, as a springboard for discussion, just so that we're the trusted source and our child knows they can always come to us to talk, to you know have a have a conversation that might be uncomfortable that they may not want to have with anybody else and maybe maybe not with us either but that they've chosen to to do it because they know that they can have it we've kept that door open so thank you so much for joining us you're so welcome and thank you for providing this outlet to parents so that they know they can do it It, i think sometimes it just helps to have that other person holding out a hand and saying i believe in you here's some information and go do this because you can yes absolutely beautifully said well i've got my takeaways and sweet friends i know you have yours let's discuss them come up on facebook go to dr robin silverman's page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash dr robin and if you love this podcast like i did and this is some very important information I hope you would kindly go up to iTunes, rate and review it, uh, subscribe to it, share it with your friends so that other people can hear about what Dr. Day is talking about right now. Some very uh, taboo topics, perhaps, but some things that we've got to talk about, get out of the shadows and bring into the light. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days that you fall short, you make mistakes, you feel like you don't know what you're doing. We all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. Never forget, there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.